bring up something that I haven't brought up yet about Kyle Dubas. And I'm going to preface it by saying I have no idea what it means, and I won't claim to know that by the end of the segment. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. When Dubas was introduced to the Pittsburgh media a couple months ago, among the many different subjects that he brought up on his own, without having to be asked, was about the competitive spirit of the core, about their will and drive, unending on both fronts, to win championships. And at the time, Dubas said of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang, if there are people out there who are doubting them, they're going to be dot, 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 dot. And I thought... In the moment that he said it, well, actually, a couple of things. One, that's a pretty cool stance to take, you know? Those are your guys. You know that coming in to run this team from a personnel standpoint. Those are your guys. Got to have their backs. Number two was, who's doubting them? Like, who does that anywhere? Where did that come from? Were they doubting Sid, Gino, and Tanger in Toronto or something? I, like, completely missed this. I don't think anyone looked at the 2022-23 Penguins and thought to themselves, man, Sid, Gino, and Tanger sure do stink. (laughs) It's like, I mean, there were very glaring issues with that team. But none of them had to do with the resident superstars. Certainly not after Sid and Gino each logged the maximum 82 regular season games, each produced at a point of game pace, and Tanger overcame enough adversity that he'd be recognized, and rightfully so, as the Masterton Trophy winner. Yeah, right? Okay, so take that, file it away. Yesterday on the Penguins website, there was this general article about state of the team and whatever, state of the franchise, some of the player additions that have happened, uh, some of the arena upgrades that are ongoing and whatever. And anyway, within that thing, there's a quote from Dubas in which he says, and I'm now reading this to you verbatim, what excites me most about this group is that it has a lot to prove, and there is a lot of doubt in hockey that this group can still contend. Starting this month, our entire program will have a chance to prove those who doubt it wrong, and that excites me because this is a very proud group that has a championship history. This season is the chance to show that we are still a championship contender. End quote. What? What is he talking about? I I have not seen, heard, or read anything remotely of the kind. Not from Newfoundland to British Columbia, not from New York to San Jose, not one syllable anywhere doubting 
certainly not the core and the foundation, the continuing strength of this franchise. What I have heard get doubted, and I'd be very surprised if Dubas is ever comfortable bringing this up, is that they had a guy making an absolute mess of everything at the general manager position. They had no clue as to how to put together a bottom six in their forward group. They can't really structure a power play. They didn't have much in the way of defensive depth or mobility. And their goaltender was, you know, kind of a headache unto himself. But this idea, I'm going to read this, this part again. What excites me most about this group is that it has a lot to prove, and there is a lot of doubt in hockey that the group can still contend. Now, Dubas, by every accounting, is a smart guy. And if you'll recall those scenes when the Maple Leafs were winning or losing or whatever in the, the playoffs, and yes, they actually made the playoffs even advanced around, my goodness, this past spring. Those those images that were shown of him up in the box, you know, freaking out or yelling about the refs or pumping his fist or whatever, he's into it. He's into it. He's a he's an outwardly competitive guy, and that's kind of neat. I think that'll play really well in Pittsburgh. I don't know that I'd ever want to see it impacting his personnel moves because that's how you get to Jim Rutherford in the middle of the night trading Carl Hagelin just to prove a point to the locker room, to shake them up a little bit. That's nonsense. That's where GMs and sports executives in general need to kind of recuse themselves from their own emotions. But where this is going, I'm not sure. And I did promise you with the opening words of today's show that I would not have some sort of answer or even a theory to it. But I am very interested to following up on this at the first opportunity, which of course will be training camp coming up in a couple of weeks, but also in seeing how it manifests itself over the course of the season. Is it something that he got from Sid Gino Tanger? Is it something that he got from Mike Sullivan? Meaning, did they feel that they're disrespected or whatever? I don't know, because that doesn't sound like any of them. Wow. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Dom, who says, Yo, DK! I haven't gotten a yo in a while. Not following Eric Carlson that much since he was playing on the other coast, I'm wondering what the general vibe was like for whatever it was that he would be subjected to out there. As in, because he's so good, was he hacked at? Was he abused, assaulted? Uh, like what happens on a regular basis to Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? If so, how was that dealt with by Carlson himself or his teammates in San Jose? I just don't know if the style of play in the Western Conference is that much different than it is in the East. It is different. The teams are generally bigger. They're not as fast. They're not as mobile. And yet, curiously, even though the size 
still leans toward the West, the more physical teams, the more punishing teams still tend to be in the East. Now, I didn't see 82 San Jose games last season. I saw exactly two. I saw the one that was played and covered the one that was played in Pittsburgh, and I covered the one that was played between the Penguins and Sharks out in San Jose. Those were split, of course. And I didn't see a San Jose team that looked like it was hell-bent on doing much of anything other than just getting through the season once everything had gotten shot. But I can say that Carlson is not the easiest target. And he really wasn't in Ottawa either. And that's where the better example is going to come from, I think, in what I'm about to share with you. Because when he was a member of the Senators, he was the not the only guy that scared you. The Senators had some really good teams, uh, up to and including that 2017 team that the Penguins needed to knock off in double overtime of Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final. But he was the guy that got them there. Penguins were talking about it openly at the time. That 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 Ottawa team was carried on 65's back to that level. Now, he did have his big boys, and he did have Chris Neal there for 100 years. And it, it did come into play occasionally. But the main thing that you'll notice and I think appreciate about Carlson as it relates very specifically to what you're addressing here is that he's not easy to hit. He's not easy to cheap shot because he just moves so quickly, so gracefully, so intelligently that even if you put a complete meathead on the rink to go after him and Say, you know, we're just going to take this guy out. If you do, for example, what the late Eugene Melnick thought the Penguins were doing to him when Matt Cook was going after Carlson, or if you believe that Cook did, in fact, intentionally ram his skate into Carlson's Achilles and cause a serious career-threatening injury to him, then you are still talking about an infinitesimal minority of all of the plays in Carlson's brilliant career. He isn't somebody that you see getting splattered all over the rink. He's not a victim. And I don't believe that he's going to be one on this team. In fact, it's probably a lot less likely that he'll be one on this team, if only because there are so many guys you could go after if you had that tendency. Now, that said, and you sound like you're kind of a peripheral hockey fan, and I respect that you're listening to a show called Daily Shot of Penguins for your information, because it means you want to, you know, keep hearing viewpoints and learning more about the game. But probably the most important thing that I can share with you is that type of hockey is really, it's fading. You'll still see uh, occasionally in the playoffs, some sort of Tom Wilson uh, thuggery or all that Jacob Truba headhunting from a couple playoffs ago. But for the most part, that's come out of the game, not because of anything that Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, uh, or any of those people have done, certainly not George Peros, but rather because coaches aren't as inclined to carry 
people like that on the roster unless they can really play. Now, Wilson and Truba can both play, but there aren't many of those around. So I really don't think this is going to be an issue until and if the Penguins make the playoffs this coming season, and then we can start getting into who might be taking out who. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Going to do one more of these tomorrow.